recorded live from Portland, Oregon. It's the Transamorous Network Podcast. Let's get it on. Hey there, this is Perry from the Transamorous Network Podcast. Welcome, everyone. Good morning. This is Remy El Matar. Hey, Remy. Good morning. This is Shannon Scott, still in Oklahoma. Shannon. Good, good morning, Shannon. Or afternoon good there, morning. right? Afternoon, <laughs> yeah. We were just talking about how much we are missing Shannon's presence in person. How much longer do we have without you, Shannon? I will be back in two weeks, and I am already very, very excited to be back. Yay. Oregon's excited to have you back as well, and so am I. And Remy is too. I have the ascendant. Thank you. Remy is such the mostess. The co-hostess with the mostess. Co-hostess with the mostess. So um, today we had a guest, but that guest did not show, which is, um, let's not say it's typical. No, it's it's not not typical. typical. Um, But, you know, the, the people who we sometimes have as guests are sometimes dealing with life circumstances as they are for them, creating yeah. their own reality. And as a result, they are unable to keep commitment sometimes. And that is okay because there's plenty of goings on in the world that yes, we can talk about is. here at the Transamorous Network podcast, isn't there? Absolutely. Absolutely. And goings on that we should be talking about. So right? I'm excited that we have a chance to talk about what we're about to talk about. Yeah. Actually, the last episode, I think it was wasn't it Anne-Marie? We didn't include it in the show, but I believe Anne-Marie started the show talking about the, I think it's the House bill going on in on the East Coast. Is it North Carolina, or Shannon? Mm-hmm. Um, well, that, that would depend on which one you're talking about. Are you talking about House Bill 2? Uh, I think that's the one that, was that the one Anne-Marie was talking I about? I believe so. Yeah, that's the one with, um, I believe it's Governor McRory that actually you know, just got a, overruled. So very exciting news. Right. Yeah, the Fed said that it was unconstitutional. Right, they gave him a good slap on the wrist. It was like, uh, you better calm it down <laughs> before we come after you. Slap on the wrist, <laughs> exactly. And we, I, of course, we knew that was coming because it's, yeah. you know. It's a, and actually, it's, it's quite a bit more aggressive than just a slap on the wrist. They have until Monday, and, and because this won't be broadcast live, today is Saturday. So they have two days to get in line with this ruling or risk losing billions mm-hmm. with a B in federal funding. So you know, the poo is hitting the fan and it's getting real in here. The poo is hitting the fan. Um, and you know, the poo spelled backward with an S is oops. <laughs> <laughs> I made a mistake. Oops, I did it again, uh-huh. as Brittany would say. Um, so yeah, so so the interesting thing, so this, this whole issue about the bathroom thing, I was talking with another, uh, a friend of mine, actually he's more of a colleague, with another organization I run called Copiosis. And we were talking about where is the hue and cry coming from with all of this bathroom talk. Um, And we've got this really cool article that was published in in Oregon Live that we're going to talk about today, but we're going to kind of lead up to it. Mm -hmm. But we were, one of the things that that, uh, this guy and I were talking about was, you know, what is the real motivation behind this bathroom talk? And where we where we ended up was it's really about money it's not about gender because if we really wanted to solve this problem at least in some locations we realized the the easiest solution is just to do what starbucks does and have genderless bathrooms mm-hmm. where there's one two 
two bathrooms and you go in the one that's unoccupied and it doesn't matter what's between your legs. You take your pee or your poop and you're done with. That's and as as it should be, as it should be. The, the only drawback is if and this was pointed out in in a comment that I saw online is, well, what do you do in stadiums where you have, you know, tens of thousands of people needing to go pee pee and you can't have, you know, 25 genderless bathrooms each with their own little you know private bathroom can you it would just be turning the ones that are already there into availability for everybody so it wouldn't be just men standing in one line it wouldn't be just women standing in a separate line it would be just two really long ass lines full of people whichever way you go but in those but in those places like stadiums and and nightclubs well not not some nightclubs you have this big room um with a bunch of urinals or a bunch of toilets and so the idea with is, that many people, yeah. you're worried about something happening. I well, I know. So, but, but like, and that's the problem is they're worried that something's gonna happen with all those people. If you're not watching your kid, some random anybody could do whatever, and that's part of the issues they're trying to bring up is is this big problem. You yeah, know? And, and it's just asinine. Well, so the so the question is that one of the questions that we talked about with the, this colleague and I was. So 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 think this through for a minute. So you've got these bathrooms in these smaller establishments and you have usually two bathrooms. If you turn them both into genderless bathrooms, then you've you've solved the problem for that facility. Mm -hmm. But a place like a theater, for example, if you go into a theater and you go to the bathroom, it's a mass bathroom where you can have like 30 people in there peeing and pooping at the same. Maybe not that many, maybe 15 people peeing and pooping at the same time. But they're all men or they're all women. In that circumstance, when you have all of the theaters empty out basically at the same time, you need you need a lot of bathrooms in order to handle the type of people that use those things. So, True. So you couldn't have, uh, just think, think, think this through with me. I could be wrong. You couldn't have 15 different separate rooms, could you? Each with a toilet If you and take sink. out urinals and put stalls, period, all you're seeing well, is I'm feet. Gonna, I'm going to play devil's advocate with this for a little while mm -hmm. because logistic. I mean, just from a common sense point of view, like, oh yeah, that makes sense, perfect. But logistically, when you're actually like executing the act of going to the bathroom, a male is able to pee much faster in a in a urinal and get in and out than he would be able to pee in a stall. And I, I know that sounds silly, but it's it's I think it's kind of been proven. So you would have to actually have more facilities because yeah. whereas, you know, you might be able to have eight guys standing against one giant urinal on a wall, that would probably break down to about four bathroom stalls. So you actually cut your facility for men to pee in half. And again, I'm going to be playing devil, devil's advocate a lot today. So don't take this as my stance. I'm just, since we're all kind of on the same team, we need someone to do this. Yeah. So, so that's the question is, is if you go with a genderless bathroom, then you have that capacity problem for the larger locations. Absolutely. Um, and so, so then it does come down to the question that Remy was talking about a moment ago about how comfortable do people feel? Um, I should, uh, let me ask that differently. Is it really an issue about how people feel in in the bathroom, like their safety or their concern, or is or is the is the reason why I said it that way is 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 the argument a red herring? So, for example, where where my friend and I ended up was there's a lot of there's a lot of argument about this issue that's that's prof literally profiting many people. So like politicians are getting campaign contributions, lobbyists are getting money to lobby the, the uh, politicians. Mm -hmm. um, 
no offense to them, but the 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 uh, LGBT um, advocacy groups are probably getting donations as a result of the hue and cry being raised from this, and then the folks on the other side are probably too. And so, is it? The question was raised: Is it much to do about really not that much? It's a lot of nothing because what's the problem? I mean, they're ma- they've made it an issue, thereby making it a money thing because now it's in the news and it's become we have to make a choice and this and that and the other and the laws have to you know back that up, and it feels like Here, giant divergent for all the real issues that are happening in the world. Because I mean, what's I don't know. It's just ridiculous. Here's my question. Here's my question about it. What's the real problem? Is is the argument of the opponents of you know open bathrooms that a transgender person, and let's just say a transgender woman, because I think that's where most of the concern comes from, a transgender woman going into the woman's room and somehow exploiting somebody else in a sexual manner or in a molesting manner, is that the argument, or is the argument that a cis man who does not identify as transgender is going to at some point in his life dress up as a woman so that he can sneak into the women's room. Where's the real concern here? Because they're two vastly different arguments. What do you think it is, Shannon? I think they're using both. uh, Let's argue both sides for a minute. Let's say that the public is concerned about a transgender woman. So someone who was born anatomically male, but then transitioned into a woman and now lives full time as a woman. They're worried about a transgender woman coming into the bathroom and somehow committing something nefarious. Well, here's my argument against that. Transgender women have been using public restrooms that correspond with their identified gender since public restrooms have existed and there has been zero, count them, zero problems. So that that argument is completely out the window. It's not a problem. Now, if your argument is that a man who does not identify as transgender is going to come in at some point dressed up as a woman so that he can molest somebody in there, that's a different argument. And I, I don't see really how this law is going to stop him from doing that anyway. Well, right. It's funny because the, that second argument is facetious because if the guy wanted to do that, he wouldn't be waiting. Well, I guess he would. it would be, you could argue that it would be easier to do it if the law allowed a man who's dressed as a woman to get in there. But he, if he really wanted to do it, he could still do it today. He'd just have to be a little more convincing as a <laughs> dressed up as a woman. But that's that's a silly one. And That's silly because, I mean... But, and Not then the all first trans people are quote unquote convincing at first. Well, exactly. Well, and it's interesting because the first one, the first argument you made, Shannon, kind of falls on its face to me too. Because you, in my understanding and meeting with trans women, trans women, fir- first of all, many of them are insecure to begin with, and so going in and being aggressive towards someone else, like aggressively coming on sexually to someone else, just doesn't occur to me as something that some, that a trans woman is going to do. I think most of them are hoping to get in and out without yeah, any kind exactly. of conflict or yeah. you know, confrontation yeah, like, yeah. You know, by, by anybody. You well, know? and it seems like the least, the, the, the least place that you would want to make a sexual advance would be when people are in there pooping peeing. I mean, it just, it just doesn't make any <laughs> That's sense. That's a good to point, me. Perry. I never thought about that. But just actually, like, this is not the time to have that experience. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Messiness. The messiness is coming to mind. <laughs> yeah, and, and the smell and all that stuff. And no offense to women, but y'all, y'all shit stink just as much as us guys do. <laughs> humans are humans are exactly. humans, and yeah. it's part of the human process. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know. Myers Briggs says, I believe, I think like one in 100 million people. I don't understand. 
most of the world and how it works because <laughs> it's just ridiculous <laughs> it to me. So, so the question, so so then, so you've got this lo- this logistical question about moving a bunch of people who have to go one and two through a facility, um, and is and it and Shannon, it didn't sound like you had playing devil advocate there. You didn't bring up this point as an issue, so. Um, it still isn't. It still is a capacity issue, but absolutely. But that argument's not being made. No. And so, so, so here's my solution, and I think this is a viable solution. And yes, there's going to be a little bit of money that'll need to be spent. But instead of having a men's restroom and a women's restroom, you have a urinals restroom and a stall restroom. Ah, which would so have... you can get you can get the fast movers who can stand to pee in and out, they're Male or female. You know, that you don't lose the capacity. But then if you need to sit, men, man or woman or otherwise, you can go to these stalls where you have your own private little room to do your business. Oh, that's a good I idea. Women because, who can yeah. stand and pee. Yeah, yeah. It's inter- that's interesting <laughs> that you said that because I was in, in uh, where was I? I was in Paris and the you walk into the bathroom and it's it's a great big bay, but it's separate. It's separated by this middle section. And when you turn left... Um, sorry, when you turn right in that bay is all the women and I didn't go in there. If you turn right, left, sorry, if you turn right, all the women are over there. If you turn left, all the men are over there. And when you walk in there, there are no urinals. It's all, um, basically rooms. There's walls from floor to ceiling. You can't see in them. There's a, a heavy door. When you walk in that door, you're in your own, basically your own bathroom. There's a little toilet in there and you can do your business. And then when you, of course, toilet paper and stuff, you do your business, you come out, you wash your hands, you sink and you go. That could easily be a man or woman's bathroom because once you close the door, like no one I can said, see you anyway. so what's the point? Yeah, right, right. I, yeah, I don't, I don't get the argument either. And I'm going to read one of the quotes from a, a, um, an online article by the Oregonian that talks about the bathroom issue, and it says, "Absolutely insane, PCBS taking away the rights of normal folks." Okay, what rights are being taken away? Let, let's think about this from the other side. What rights are being taken away? I thought you were being a devil's advocate. I'm trying, but I can't <laughs> think of anything on this. I'm like, what do you mean? You still get to use the restroom of your choice. You're not being, you know, nothing is affecting you negatively. You just have to share the restroom with someone else who identifies as your gender. I mean, right. I, I don't see the problem. So I'm asking you guys to maybe help help me out with this devil advocacy thing because I'm doing a crappy job. <laughs> well, like I said, I don't get it. My yeah. brain just doesn't wrap yeah. around it in those ways. It seems just ridiculous to me to even have this – to be having this argument well, is and, just ridiculous. And that's a good point, um, Remy, because you know, at, at the Trans Amorous Network, we, we believe strongly that what you put your mind on is what becomes more. And so the, 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 from our standpoint, looking at the this – great big hubaloo around bathrooms is own for both sides is only making the situation worse the people on the people who don't want transgender people to exist are just going to get more mad and more entrenched the people who who love transgender people the transgender people themselves the advocates they're doing the same thing and so it just makes it more and more so instead what i what I believe we should be doing as a community is focusing on what's going right, and that's what that's what brings us to this article in um, the Oregon on Oregonian Live that talks about. And I think you know. So yes, no, go ahead. The, well, this leading yeah, into this yeah, yeah, conversation yeah, yeah. is that it leads into probably the bathroom issue that really matters, 
yeah. high schools. Yeah, high schools. Right. And so there's the article. Yeah, Perry, there you go. <laughs> Let, opened it up. Let's let's talk about it. Good tune. Good 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 segue. So this article um, is talking about the um, sweeping protections that the the uh, Oregon Education Department, I believe, yes, um, released to the public that really went far and beyond um, who should be able to use the bathroom or not. Mm-hmm. And what bathroom? And and what bathroom? Right. It it basically said, look look, folks, put your prejudices back in your pants. These people are coming out, and if you don't, if you if you if you have a problem with that, fuck you. Basically, I mean, you're gonna have to. We're, we've got to take care of these kids, and right. and these kids are coming out, and whether you like it or not, they're coming out. Well, right. So the article talks about a 15-page uh, thing that the, the the education board sent to the state people of Oregon, saying, "Look, educators and schools have to now accept a trans person for their word. Period. Well, yeah, and identify them with their proper pronouns, mm-hmm. chosen names, all of these things. They they did came up with some specific specific." Um, I don't know if they're recommendations or, or directives, but essentially they were saying things like, look, when this person chooses their, their, um, how would you say it? Help, help me out, you two. The, the name that, that a, when a person. Their pers- chosen name. Their chosen name. Okay. When, the, when a trans person ch- chooses their preferred name, yeah, their preferred name, their legal name has to be made co- confidential. Yes. And when these when these people graduate, they get two diplomas. They right. get one, one with in their, each name. Yeah, one in each name, which I think is awesome. So now you have this legal one to satisfy the legal bullshit. And then you have the one that's the real one, you know, right. that, that that recognizes the real person that actually went through the process of getting that diploma. It's right. freaking awesome. And then it also it also um again, I don't know if it's recommendations or directives, but it, it says that if women if if girls want to play um what do they say? If, if uh, girls want to play female sports, if trans women want to play female sports, you should let them. Right. If trans guys want to wear tuxedos, you should let them. Right. Um, well, let's talk about let's talk about that because it was a directive it, and not not the tuxedos because that's just of course. I don't care if you're transgendered or not. You should be able to wear a tuxedo regardless of who you are or dress regardless of who you are. It, it's so stupid. Let's not go there. But let's talk about the sports aspect because I think there's some pretty solid arguments on both sides of the issue on this. Go for it. Well, for instance, part of the reason now that they have separate boys sports and girls sports in high school and college and, and elsewhere is because there is an actual difference in physical strength, size, and weight depending upon which hormones you have flowing through your body. So there is an increased chance of injury should a woman decide to play on, say, the boys' football team. You know, When she is literally 40 or 50 or 60-plus pounds lighter than her opponents, there's an increased chance of injury there. And then, you know, to switch that up, if you bring in a a 200-pound linebacker who decides to transition in high school and then suddenly she wants to play on, you know, the women's lacrosse team, there's there's what I would consider to be an unfair advantage. What do you think? So is it – so this gets really interesting. First of all, I believe the institution of competition is fucking us up as a society where we're being bred to believe that competition is a good thing 
and that there's this scarce resource called the win. And if you don't get that resource, the other person gets it and you feel like shit because you're the loser. I think I think that institution is causing uh, more problems than the one we're talking about. So so that's that's the the meta the meta response to that. Secondly, what is what is what is advantage? I mean, what if you have a what if you have a woman, a a, a, a cis woman who who has a natural height advantage because they're just freaking taller. Does that should that woman not be able to play with other women in basketball just because she's actually taller, physically taller than that other person? I don't I don't I've known many women, cis women who are stronger than me through high school. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> right. Could have could have handled the fo- football team much more than I could have. Yeah. It's you like, know, don't you have to try out for sports? Well, yeah. in high I think school? speaking broadly here, if we were to take the average weight and average strength of the male gender than the average weight and the average strength and the average height of the female gender, there would be a marked difference. So yes, we can pick these outliers, these super tall women and these super strong women, but that's not the average. Well then my, yeah. So my third point was going to be, it's up to the individual. If, if that female, if that person born as a woman is transitioning to their affirmed identity and then wants to play football it's that person's choice to and the risk if if that person wants to go up there and go head to head with you know with with testosterone laden bodied males it's it's up to that person he too may be testosterone laden if he's transitioning in high school he might be on hormones his advantage might not be that i don't know this argument honestly i don't know but but that's (laughs) where that's where the demarcation point is is when they actually start to transition physically then a lot of this devil's advocate i'm trying to play goes out the window because your physical body changes right when you start hormones but if you haven't done that and if you haven't been on hormones for a long time then that transition hasn't taken place yet, so you still have the residual body, you know, at least the physical part of of your, your past gender. Mm-hmm. So, so or you your, your past physical gender, right? So you could you could as an institution create a guideline that said you still there, Shannon? Yeah. Okay. There. You could you could create an institutional guideline that says okay, when you're transitioning, you have to be on hormones for at least two years before you play sports for example in and order to accommodate and that's a great great them. point Perry and that's exactly what the uh, olympic the olympics has decided to do i don't i can't think of the official name of the panel but they have elected to allow transgender athletes to compete but they have to have been on hormones for x number of days and they have doctors and people who've studied this to say you know what the physical advantage or the physical let's not call it an advantage the physical difference changes at you know this line in the sand Right. So, so I, I think your solution is a valid one. But what about those kids in high school who consider transition and consider themselves in transition but don't want to take hormones? They're excluded completely from ever having the opportunity to play on the team they want to if that's the rule. Well, I think that would be that would be true. Right. And so this is where it's funny that you said that, because the moment you started talking, Remy, I was thinking about how much of a transition this is. And there is a. There are there are um, elements that will not be addressed, even with the solution that me and the Olympic Committee agree on. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so there over time, we're going to have to address these things. And I think I really think that it goes back to my earlier comment about the nature of competition in school is that that whole system needs to go away because it's just 
it just causes more problems than it 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 doesn't in my opinion it doesn't create any solutions except indoctrinating people to believe that they have to compete against other human beings for everything that they need to survive including jobs uh girlfriends boyfriends the love of your parents all that other stuff it's just Mm-hmm. This this whole system that we're trying to maintain in the context of all of society changing, including our gender diversity, mm-hmm. it just needs to go out the window, in my opinion. Yeah. America. But do you think it ever really mm. will? Yes. It, it not only will it, it is. It's it. So this is the thing: we are, <clears throat> we as a universe are in massive transition all the time. Nothing is ever static. Mm-hmm. And so as as you know, the transgender community isn't the only um, representation of humanity that's going through transition. That's why I created the Trans Amorous Network, because there are trans there are, there are men, there are cis men who love trans women who are going through their own transition of trying to come to grips with their attract their natural attraction. The same thing is occurring at the meta scale. Whole societies are going through transition. That's why we have Right now, Bernie Sanders getting his butt kicked by Hillary Hillary Clinton, which is another issue I could talk about about momentum. But um, Remy's over there shaking her head. Let's not get into <laughs> yeah, the we're not going to go there. <laughs> but, and so I was going to say, veer left, veer left. <laughs> <laughs> and so and so this the the transition that's occurring is more than just the transgender transition; it's societal transition. And yeah, I do believe that. In if I have anything to do with it. Uh, we're going to be rid of we're going to be rid of this this competition that that undergirds the entire capitalist society. It's just causing all kinds of problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's fascinating, Perry. I'm excited for it. <laughs> well, yeah, we're making progress, but that's a that's a whole nother podcast for a whole nother organization. So, um, so yeah, so so it's interesting this this argument, this debate as 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 we're talking through this, we're kind of walking through the objections and blowing them away. And so where does it ultimately come to for someone on the opposite side of where we stand on these issues? Where does it ultimately come from? Is it fear? Is it, you know, someone once told me recently that the reason why people are opposing all of these transitions is because to accept the fact that we're changing to something else causes these people who are resisting. It causes their whole worldview to basically collapse. Like mm-hmm. Christians, this person was saying, for example, can't accept that there are that transgender people are real uh, and bona fide, like they they deserve to be here because they God don't believe dinosaurs. Yeah, were well, either. yeah, because they they believe that Christ that that God wouldn't possibly create trans transgender people, and then at the same time have something called the Bible saying um, that that homosexuality is, what's that word, abomination. and There's only one Bible that states that. Okay, is there another one that I'm familiar well, with? Well, I mean, the Catholic Bible doesn't actually say that. You know, it's the King James Bible that actually states that. And it also says, thou shalt not suffer a witch. <laughs> okay. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, they're all a little different, you know, but societies throughout history have, you know, have had another gender or more. I mean, India has had a third gender for a long time. You know, the, quote, eunuchs of India, you know, the Hijras have been there. They've always been there. They're in their history in the Mahabharata. You know, they're all there. And you have in in, in Bali, you have a culture that believes in five genders. 
You know, there's there's what we would consider a cis man and a cis woman. And then you've got the masculine woman oh. and the feminine man. Right. Mm-hmm. So those would be our our society's transgender. Mm-hmm. But then they the third or the, excuse me, the fifth, which is their spiritual leaders mm-hmm. are considered to be embodiment of both. Mm. They are both genders. Mm-hmm. They're they're the um, <clears throat> what do they call them? The trans transsexual priests of Bali or something like that. Huh. And and their society has and they believe, and as long as they still are, exist in their little island, they are maintaining the balance of the whole world wow. because you have to have all five to have the balance. Wow. And they believe that just their little tiny society, which is still thriving, you know keeps the balance for the rest of us since we have it so fucked up and yeah. got it wrong. Yeah. Where where do you think we where do we think we we got off track? Where do you think we made the wrong turn? Crossing the oceans to America? And how, and why somewhere why in did, there they yeah. No, I mean I don't know. It's it's more than that. But America is a society that they created it was you know, it was a created world mm-hmm. and society. There was no <coughs> the history of America and most Americans has nothing to do with the native people mm-hmm. of America. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because, you know, they, they, I think one of the reasons why people came to the new world, uh, America was because they were fleeing religious prosecution. Is that right? That's, that's, that's what they it? say. Yeah. 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 But yeah. I think it's more than that. You know, it would be, you know, like just like the Holocaust, it wasn't just Jews, you know, yeah. people who are escaping their oppression, are looking for a place to create something better in their world. Well, so they got here and they created, some people would say that they created these puritanical um, Right, because they got here and some Native societies actually also had a third gender. Yes. You know, the two-spirit people of the Native people, which, you know, they saw and were like, what? What, what's going on here? This is this is an abomination. This is heresy. This is this. This is that. You how know? did how did the um, since you've got the the Wiccan background, Remy? How did the how did the witches come about in that in those cultures in the the, the New World culture? I believe they fleed the persecution of the burning times, hundreds of years of burning people for mm-hmm. lots of reasons, and and practicing what they would consider the craft. You know. Um, in those days, there was it was demonology. It was all these sorcery, very negative ideas, which possibly was true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they moved here and often hid amongst other societies. So maybe they came here with the Puritans and lived in Puritan society, but secretly were practicing and, and kept the craft alive. And you then know they got I mean? found out. Right, they got found out and or didn't. And that's how you have people who have hereditary lines of... of craft mm-hmm. that goes back to their great-grandparent or great-great-great-grandparent came from the old country, whichever one that might be, mm-hmm. you know. So what is it, what do you think it is about, um, I'm going to answer this question too, what do you think mm-hmm. it is about um, non-mainstream that frightens mainstream people? Well, personally, I think part of it is that they would have to admit that on some level they're wrong in the way they think. And no one likes doing that. Yeah. I think that's definitely a good part of it. Yeah. it's And I think also there's that fear of unknown. You know, well, what does this mean? And a lot of it always turns out to be, what does this mean for me? Mm -hmm. You know, people are so worried, you know. 
I, I have to agree with you completely, Remy. In fact, I've been watching really closely um, a lot of the political news right now, and I'm, I'm seeing two sides. You know, I'm seeing the Democratic side, or, or what we were calling the Democratic side, and then what we're calling the Republican side. And whenever I see Republicans talk on the issues, it's like they always use so much fear-mongering. It's like, they're going to come into your bathroom, and they're going to molest your kids, and we're going to have to be at war, and we're all going to die, so we need to build our military. And it's like fear, fear, fear. And then on the other side, I'm looking at the Democrats where so much of what they're talking about comes from love. And it's, you know, there are people out there who are hungry. Let's feed them. There are people out there who are being discriminated against. Let's end this. We all deserve to be equal. And so, and, and this reminds me of a Jim Carrey quote that he didn't, gave in a commencement speech, is that all of our actions and thought come down to two things, fear and or love, and that's where our power of choice lies. And that seems to be so true to me, so that when you say, Remy, that people are afraid, I couldn't agree more. And it all comes down to fear and love. And I think there's also a level of, you know, those people, there's that competition as well. You know, a lot of them are the the 1%, you know what I mean? And they're afraid of not being the top anymore. They're afraid of coming in second, third, and 28th or 999th you know what I mean there's that I'm better I have this I want this I'll keep this well there certainly is it's funny that um, just a quick story that just cracked me up my business partner and I were out um, visiting some property and we walked onto this piece of property really beautiful pocket community um, over by a lake and we they had these no trespassing signs all over the place so we walked on all boldly because we wanted to see the place and get some pictures. And we walked around, and then there was these two women who were sitting on the porch of one of the houses. They saw us, and we waved to them and kept on walking. And um, I noticed that they were coming up to us. And Mark's, and I said to Mark, I said, Mark, um, these women are coming to talk to us. And he, he said, uh, yeah, I'm going to pull my, how do you say it? I'm going to pull my um, white privilege card. He said, I'm going to pull my, because Mark's <laughs> like, I'm going to pull my white privilege card, and everything's going to be okay, basically. But you, you're going to have to leave. <laughs> Well, well, let's not talk about that. Whole but my one. but my point is, is that I think that's part of it, too, is that society. In fact, there's this I was in this radio program yesterday and this guy who runs this 30 year old um, Portland organization called Self Enhancement. His name is Tony Hobson. He was saying that society is rapidly, rapidly turning majority of color. I mean, it's going to be like you saw in The Matrix, where most people are brown in America. And we're I think all, yeah, we're getting more and more mixed. Yep. And, and and that includes gender. And mm -hmm. I think the people who um, who are of the formerly dominant culture, and that includes sexual binary or gender binary also, are starting to quake because they're no longer good. There's it's inevitable. There's no mm -hmm. longer gonna be that minor my that majority. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. And so, and, and this yeah, is... That'll be an exciting time. It is. It already is an exciting time. And the interest, yeah. and interesting thing is the... And this is where I believe, and I'm getting goose pimples just thinking about it, this is where I believe the, the idea of competition and scarce resources has to go by the wayside too. Because if, if we acknowledged that the world is abundant and there's plenty of food to feed everybody, there's plenty of housing to house everybody, you know, there's no reason for people to be living on the street or to go hungry... Everybody right. could could have a meaningful uh, meaningful work if they just work from their if they were free to work from their passions. If we were living in that kind of society, there would I think there would be less concern about immigrants, less mm -hmm. concern about transgender people, less concern about brown skin people. Um, I think there would be much more 
love in the world than there is this hate. Well, we've, I think, or fear. Most humans have forgotten how to be part of the village, how to be part of the community, how to, everyone has to play their part for everyone else to survive. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and people don't look at it that way mm -hmm. anymore. And so, you know, you, you, <clears throat> When I, when I think about this from the transgender community and going back to what Remy was saying about are you going to see the are you going to see love or are you going to see fear I think that is like the quintessential question because when you stand in a place of um, everything is okay which is what love is all about and that in in others I see myself and in myself there are others then the world changes Namaste. for you. Namaste. Yes, exactly. It's funny. I'll tell you another story. I was, <laughs> I was, I was, I was um, hired to consult this guy about business, about his fledgling business, and we met last week. And instead of talking about his business, he was he wanted to talk about his family. And so we were talking about his family. He's about to have his second child, and he's trying to start this business, and the income's not there yet. And um, he's kind of struggling with the, the fear around that. And he, he believes in the stuff that we talk about here at the Trans Amorous Network, the spiritual component. And <clears throat> he was in a space of doubt around it. This is going to be a really remarkable story, so stick with us. It's going to be really good. So he was in doubt about it. And we were sitting in this park um, having our conversation. And I'd, I uh, asked him to join me in this process that, we, that I described in the man's guide. And it's going to be in the, the trans woman's guide, too. So we did this. I did the process first, and, th and then um, he did the process. And after the process, uh, he said, he said, um, you know, I don't even have to question whether I believe this or not. The results are here in my body. I can feel the difference. And mm -hmm. so I don't have to believe because it's, it's the real results are showing up right here. And he said, my whole perspective of the way I'm seeing the world right now shifted in this Five it was like a five minute exercise. My whole world shifted as a result, and I can see possibility now, and I can see how everything is going to be okay with my son, and I can see how everything is working out with my business, and there's no need to even be concerned about quote unquote marketing or how am I going to reach my customers because everything is going to work out fine. And it was just, it was so amazing to see the smile on his face and the twinkle in his eye after doing this process that only lasted five minutes, right? And so this is this is what happens when you tap into. Um, the love side of that question as opposed to going to the fear side when you go to the fear side you get you get closed up and so the question relative to the audience that we're talking to is where do you want to live your life from mm -hmm. do you want to live your life from the standpoint that everything that you're making your reality and that everything that's happening to you is within your control and that over time when you exert that um, that deliberate creative approach your entire physical world will sh will shift to match that reality. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Agreed. I'm living it. Yeah, so we're here. here. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's the only right. way so to live. I wish everybody mm -hmm. could live like it. Yeah, everybody and everybody can. And I, I that's why we started the or I started the Transamorous Network is because I believe everyone can have this existence. And because I'm attracted to the trans community, I wanna I wanna do my part to. Um, offer something that could really benefit every single person, mm -hmm. um, no matter what, like, like Remy said, and I think you may have said this too last week, Shannon, no matter what it is you are wanting, you can have it. Mm -hmm. No matter what Absolutely. it is, you can Absolutely. have it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's all about how you write your story. It all it is all about that. Uh, so, um, wow, this was a good conversation. Yeah. 
I it feel was, energized. It was. <laughs> and I've got so much more I want to talk about, but I know we're running out of time. I know. We are. We have we have about five more minutes. You want to talk about something? You Well, I think that we're on such a positive note right now. I don't want to bring us back down to the debate and the negative. So I kind of want to end like this, and we can talk about the issues I want to talk about another show. Fantastic. Work it out. Yep. And so what we're probably going to do be going – so um, for the listeners – we, this is an experiment, and we're just testing all this stuff out, including how we do this conversation, what the topics are, who the guests are. Um, we're probably going to have guests intermittently, so we'll have shows like you this. You never know. Yeah, you never really know. And so we'll have guests. We'll have show like shows like this. We may change the format a little bit as we move along. Just play with us as we move along this little experiment of unfolding. And it's a that, fun ride. It is a fun ride, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you, listeners, for listening for to another episode of the Transamorous Network podcast. Please feel free to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or on SoundCloud. And if you go to iTunes, um, do us a favor and leave us a little comment and uh, rate us at four stars. Please. Hello. Hello. Bye. Thank you. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to the Transamorous Network Podcast. Transamorous Network Podcast is a broadcast property of the Transamorous Network. Find us online at transamorousnetwork.com, transamorousnetwork.tumblr.com, and on YouTube, Transamorous Network. Thanks for listening.